0: Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland, that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a home church, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship. For more information about our Sunday service, or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message from Sunday service. And um, I, I want to speak uh, into Mark chapter 8, verse 14 to 21. Mark 8, 14 to 21. And the Lord put this upon my heart um, last night and this morning for you. Um, Mark 8, 14 to 21. Listen in or grab your Bible, go old school. A lot of churches, a lot of believers don't bring their Bibles to church anymore. And some of us have it on our iPhones. You'd be amazed. If you came to our church and you asked, how many you got your Bibles? Literally, maybe 80% of the church would lift their Bible. I told our church, go back to old school. Because I get concerned if, you know, people don't bring their Bibles to church, how do I know they're reading it at home? Seriously. And, uh, you know, I know many of us look at it on our phones, but... Let's be people of the word. I love what James said. He says, this is, everything is founded on the word. Verse 14, Mark chapter 8 says this. Now they, that's the disciples, had forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread and Jesus aware of this said to them why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread do you not yet perceive or understand are your hearts hardened having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not hear and do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up they said to him, twelve, and the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven, and he said to them, do you not yet understand? I want to speak to you today on the miracle mindset. Getting a mindset for a lifestyle of miracles. Miracles. Uh, It was on a Monday morning uh, early last year on my day off, my Sabbath, I received several phone calls uh, on my phone. I was out exercising and about 10, 12 calls came through and I missed all of them and I stopped what I was doing and I looked at the phone and it was my dad's neighbour trying to contact me from hospital because my dad had had a second acute stroke in about 20 years. And so um, headed home, went into emergency at the hospital where he was at. And when I walked in under strict COVID conditions in Melbourne, uh, he was completely paralysed, immobilised, unable to communicate. And uh, I remember and was there the first time that he had a stroke at dinner time 20 years ago. And so I knew the impact of that and what God did during that time. And this looked very serious and the neighbor was there uh, crying. My mother had died uh, six years prior on Mother's Day weekend, actually. And so um, uh, it was significant that he needed support. And so uh, I believe in miracles. I preach uh, about the supernatural power of God. And I had been praying and leaning into God for several weeks in prayer and fasting that God would increase my faith and my expectation and the anointing upon my life to believe for supernatural miracles. I didn't expect that it would be uh, through a problem in my own household. Be careful what you pray for because sometimes we're praying for things thinking we know how all that answer is to work itself out and then you're confronted with a problem and God says this is the way This is the doorway through which you are going to become the answer to your own prayers. And so I walked up to my dad on that bed, completely uh, immobilised and uh, all the uh, uh, symptoms of a stroke was in full effect, completely slumped and many of you would have seen or some of you would have seen a stroke victim, it's quite um, unnerving and laid my hands upon his head and I prayed my best prayer and nothing happened. Have you ever prayed for something, prayed for someone believing in faith and nothing happened? Three people are being like, come out you lying spirit in Jesus' name. All of us have been there. We're praying for something, we're believing for something and you're full of faith, at least you feel it and it, nothing happens. So I pray nothing happens and the doctors come in say we've got to take him for some more scans, work out what we're going to do. No communication, nothing is happening, paralyzed down one side, and he goes for 30 minutes. And I knew this is not good, this is bad. He had uh, his granddaughter living uh, at home with him. My dad and my parents were raising their granddaughter, my niece, because my sister for, uh, that's another amazing story, but my sister for over 20 years was a major underworld figure, criminal, uh, in and out of prison, was a part of a billion dollar ice ring in Melbourne and uh, had, had, had caused all manner of heartache to my parents. True story. And, um, and so my sister was in and out of prison. My dad's raising his granddaughter and now he's immobilized with the stroke. I'm thinking, God, if ever we need, it was a time for a miracle, this is it. I'm sitting there, I'm calling my wife, this is bad, this is not good, we've got to start mobilising intercessors, what are we going to do because then we'll have to start looking after my niece and all the complications of that and the processes and so 30 minutes pass and the doctors wheel my dad back into the emergency room in the intensive care and the complete opposite to 30 minutes before, he is now sitting upright on the hospital gurney with the biggest smile on his face. He's waving his paralyzed arm around going, check this out. As he walks through, he is completely lucid in his communication and articulate and the doctors, the, white, the nurse's face was white. The doctor comes in and he's going, We can't work this out. But during the scan, he sits upright and begins to ask the doctor, how are you today? And they said, we're bringing in the doctors and the speech pathologists and all the people to check his vital signs because this isn't supposed to be happening. I can't explain it. My dad shot back. I can explain it. It's the power of Jesus, and the, the the neighbor who's not a believer is looking at me, going, "Your prayer, you whatever you did, you did it." She's into New Age and stuff, and and it's sort of like there's lots of energy in the room, and and there's all this sort of stuff, and, and and they came. The speech pathologist, his speech was normal. The 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 physio or the the the. Um, a person who tests their strength, everything in the left part of his body everything had returned to normal they bought a bottle for him to go to the bathroom he said no thanks he hopped up out of the bed he walked straight to the bathroom went to the bathroom they said we can't explain it but we've got to observe because there is an acute he's had an acute stroke this isn't supposed to be happening and within 48 hours of observation he got up and walked out of that hospital totally healed in jesus name And on that Sunday, he was back at our church on the prayer line praying for sick people to be healed in Jesus' name. We serve a God that not only can heal the sick, but can use you to minister healing into other people's lives. One of the challenges in in modern Christianity is that we've lost sight of the inheritance that belongs to every believer and that is the lifestyle of miracles. We have a value, a kingdom culture value in our church that says miracles are normal. Now when you make that statement, that's a confronting statement. And it's an offensive statement to people because most believers in the modern age have never seen a miracle, let alone can come into agreement with that that truth. And yet, as you look at the life of Jesus, you look at the early church, you see that miracles were not the exception, they were the norm. In Mark chapter eight, we read about a miracle of multiplication. 4,000 people, spend three days listening to Jesus teach the word. It's a tragedy, it's a travesty that most modern believers can't handle 30 minutes of teaching and preaching. They're already like, you know, when's this going to end? Let's go out, get our latte and get on with the rest of our days. There was so much hunger and thirst in this crowd, three days didn't go anywhere. And now there is a need to feed the hungry masses. It's like the original encounter conference, right? And and the disciples come up with seven loaves and three fish. And they go, Jesus, we have a problem. Jesus looks at 4,000 people, seven loaves and three fish, and sees an opportunity for the kingdom of heaven to begin to manifest and break in to people's lives. And it's interesting that it was the compassion in Jesus, not his great hyped up feelings of faith, but the compassion within Jesus that became the catalyst for a miracle. The Bible says in Matthew 14 when Jesus saw the crowd that they were harassed like sheep without a shepherd, he was moved with compassion and he healed their sick. You've got to understand when you and I, our hearts are broken by the things that break the heart of God, you become a conduit through which God's miracle working power can minister into other people's lives. Miracles are not the byproduct of us being ambitious for a platform wanting a ministry, or wanting approval from other people. Miracles are a byproduct that's motivated by love and compassion for people in need. And Jesus, here in this moment, sees an opportunity where disciples see a problem. You see, the miracle mindset sees solutions where others see problems. The Bible says in verse 16, that the disciples began arguing and discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Can we just stop for a moment and think about the, the absolute lunacy of their discussion, their argument. They're discussing the fact that they've got no bread when the bread of life is standing right in front of them. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger or thirst, but shall be satisfied. You've got to realise who you're in relationship with. You've got to realise in that problem, in that circumstance, in that paradox and in that contradiction, the bread of life, the solution is living inside of you. And so we've got to make sure that we don't approach our life, we approach problems as if we're fighting for the scraps from the master's table, but we're to realise every single one of us have been invited to sit at the banquet table to eat and participate and be absorbed into the life of who Jesus is. I am the bread of life. You know, I was talking to a father uh, several months ago about his foster kids and they just start being foster parents and he loved these kids like his own biological kids and he said the first time that the foster kids came to the house they'd come from a very broken and impoverished environment and so the first meal time the dinner time when the, the food came out the the uh, uh his biological kids looked in amazement at the foster kids just with their bare hands just started grabbing casseroles and food and all sorts of things and shoving it in their mouth and and the kids are like What the heck is going on? The parents are like, wow. And he realized that because they had lived with so much lack and because they'd come from such such an impoverished background that they thought, you know, well, you've got to jump in quick and get as much as you can for yourself because it's all going to go very soon. That they had this sort of beggar mentality, this Oliver Twist mentality. And the same thing can happen in our spirits, in our relationship with God. An orphan spirit approaches life like a beggar wanting handouts from God because we're approaching life from a lack mindset. I want to say to somebody today, Psalm 23 5, if God can prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies, He can supply, He can provide, and He can bring breakthrough into your life no matter what paradox or contradiction you may face. And so when you come into a place where your mind is beginning to be renewed to think like God, when you encounter a problem, you now see it as an opportunity for the kingdom of heaven to break into your life. I never see now problems or paradoxes, contradictions as having the final say in my life. I look at it and say, God, whom do you want to be for me right now in this problem? If it's a lack of resource, God, I thank you. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. If it's an issue with sickness in someone's body or my body, thank you, oh God. You are the great physician. Whatever. If I feel lonely when I'm traveling and ministering and, and feel tired and weary and I hear those words, son, I am with you, that's all I need. I see every problem through the filter of how God thinks and how God approaches things and it changes. Changes the outcome based upon the mindset you bring to the problem. Is this helping anybody today? You see, the miracle mindset approaches earthly realities from a heavenly eternal perspective. There's a saying that some of you would have heard, oh, that person's so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly use. Ever heard that saying? I think the opposite is true. I think some people, I think a lot of us are so earthly minded, we're of no heavenly use. That we're so fixated and bound by temporal, material, fleshy, earthly things that we we, we are not thinking like God. Isaiah 55 says, for my thoughts aren't your thoughts and my ways aren't your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts, so are my ways. If your ways are gonna become God's ways, his thoughts have gotta become your thoughts. He's trying to renew our minds to think like him. You see, knowing your identity in Christ, which is the most pivotal important thing after you get saved, is to know who you are in Christ. Knowing who you are in Christ gives you access to heaven's fullness. When you know you're a son or daughter of God and what Jesus has done for you, read through Ephesians 1, look at all that you have now that you are a child of God. When you start to see yourself as God sees you, you know you have access. You can boldly approach the throne of grace. The Bible says in Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Now, I want every single person in this room to listen to what I'm about to say because it is a game-changing truth. Once God gave you Jesus, you lost every right to begin any thought process with lack. Because if He's given you His best, the very best that all of the universe could offer you, the Son of God, how will He not also richly provide and supply and graciously give you everything that pertains to life and godliness? Why are you doubting about God in your business, God in your family, God in your relationships when God has given you His one and only Son? You've lost every right if you call yourself a believer in Jesus to approach life from lack. Bible says in Matthew 7, 11, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly Father? Give good things. Give the Holy Spirit, the, the greatest thing, the goodest thing, if there ever was such an English word. Give the Holy Spirit to those Who You see, we've got to guard our hearts. We've got to have our minds renewed about the goodness of God. Many of us don't see the fullness of the power of God in our lives because our view of who God is is distorted by our own woundedness and offence. And we're bitter at God because of negative experiences we've had in church or with leaders or with life. And we project onto God and we wonder why heaven's power supply line in our life is shut off. I want to tell you that, that that God is exceedingly good. He's altogether lovely. He is perfect. You've got to, the enemy wants to distort your image of who God is. The enemy tried to drive a wedge. He did drive a wedge between Adam and Eve. They, their eyes were open. They saw their nakedness. They were ashamed that they hid from God. And yet if they really knew the nature of who God is, God in his mercy, his love and his grace, they would have run to him and said, God, we're messed up, we're stuffed up. But God, we know who you are. We know your nature. Would you come and restore and redeem and do something in us, oh God, that reflects your heart? You see, I've had to go through that school of hard knocks to learn that God is a good God and he cares about the littlest details of your life. Many, many years ago, nearly 20 years ago, we planted a church and uh, there was 13 of us in a lounge room. I was given $2,000 by Pastor Alan Davies and some of you would know him and he gave me the check and said, son, sink or swim. And he gave me a kiss on the cheek. I felt really encouraged in the Lord. And uh, we went out and we planted in our lounge room and the the Lord began to bless that work. and, And it's amazing. Often the very thing you're looking at right now as being a problem, as being lack, is the very training ground for you to believe in faith for breakthrough in your life. Every lesson I learned in ministry about believing for supernatural miracles and provision happened in the the circumstance of lack in my life. And so there I am, and we're now, you know, in 11 different locations the first three years. We're, we've got, we're bumping in, we're bumping out every Sunday. We, we don't have a truck to transport all the equipment around in, so now you've got about half a dozen vehicles all bringing all of the production equipment. Even one Sunday, the dude um, sort of, you know, uh, who was bringing the fold back, the big fold back, uh, his car broke down, so he got on the train, and he brought the fold back on the train to church, True story. And so the natives are restless. They're looking at the pastor going, pastor, you've got to resolve this issue because we can't keep this up. So I'm there. We had no money. I mean, you know, $10,000 to us was like a million dollars. It was like we, we, we were just making ends meet to get through our hire. I was on, I don't know, something like $30,000 salary for the year, and even that was a step of faith in Jesus' name. And so we needed $10,000 to buy a used secondhand truck that was ready on its way to be with Jesus to transport the equipment around in. right so I'm on my face in my office and I'm seeking God God we need ten thousand dollars and I'm operating like an orphan spirit I'm begging I'm like this desperately oh weeping gnashing of teeth and Jesus like sit up son and get yourself together do you ever have God speak to you like that come on, straighten up, get yourself together. Do you realise who you're talking to? And, 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 he, and he begins to speak to me and he says this word as I became still and just quiet. He said, by this time tomorrow, you'll have the money in your hand. I looked at the time, it was nearly five o'clock, and I'm sitting there waiting going, look, like, you just need to understand, there was no conceivable way in the natural that was going to happen. No one had suggested anything. We didn't know any money was coming in, nothing. Been to the church many times to raise money for other things, just to scrape through, couldn't go back again. There was nothing. And then I waited on the next word. And he said, I want you to go book a meeting with this particular man. I'd never met him before. I didn't know whether he knew me or I knew him. I didn't know him. I want you to book an appointment with him tomorrow. And I want you to go build a relationship with him. Let me take care of the rest. So I contact this man's business I asked for an appointment with him. They set the appointment the next day at four o'clock, one hour before the deadline that God said by this time tomorrow. I turn up, I'm in the car, I'm prophesying in Jesus' name. The Lord said, stop that nonsense, just go and love this guy. Just get to know him. See, some of us add to the word of the Lord. You, You get a word and then you add to it. And you wonder why it all gets a bit awkward and pear-shaped. No, just do what he told you to do, right? Awesome. Just show up and love on people. And so I went, I sat down, asked him a lot of questions about his life and his business and, you know, got literally got to about 10, to 5 and I'm like, I've missed God. This is bizarre. I've eaten bad pizza the day before. It's gone to my head. Uh, You know, like, Lord, I've just missed you. And I was getting ready to sort of get up and move. And he goes, what are you doing? Where are you going? I said, well, I thought our time's nearly up. He says, no, sit down. I said, yes, sir. And he he, he literally said this. He goes, calls out to his uh, secretary. And he said, bring my checkbook. Now, you need to know right there in that moment, my heart rate went to 180 beats per minute. And in my head, I'm now prophesying $1 million in Jesus' name. I'm seeing a whole fleet of trucks. I'm like, oh, here we go. It's the pot at the end of the rainbow. And so I'm like, and and then the Lord's like, I'm about to fulfill my word to you. In front of my eyes, without me saying anything to him, he writes out a check for $10,000. I look at my watch and literally it's like, Five to five. Right on the time that the Lord said, by this time tomorrow, you will have the money in your hand. Can can you imagine what that did for a young leader's pastor's faith? See, that gave me enough faith to then begin to believe for $100,000. And then when we got $160,000 through supernatural means, then I began to believe for half a million. Now, we've got that. Now, and we, you know, believe for a million. We got that. Now I'm believing for 100 million for what God wants to do in the project in our church. Now I've got faith for it because I've seen the miracle provision of God in the little things of life because... I have come to understand who my God is. He is no man's debtor. He delights in looking after his kids and giving good things when we approach him from a renewed perspective. You see, any thought process that begins with lack will have to be repented of. God cannot build anything of substance in your life, your business, your family, from a posture of lack, He said to Peter, on this revelation, accurate revelation of who I am, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, I will build my church. Wherever someone comes into agreement with the reality of who God is, their God builds his kingdom. Their God establishes his kingdom. And so the mindset on the flesh, Paul says, is death. But the mindset on the spirit is life. So really quickly, Jesus then launches into what would seem to be a a deviation off this track of teaching and thinking. And he begins to warn us and guard us, uh, helping us to guard our hearts against two mindsets. These two mindsets are a religious and political mindset. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, And beware of the leaven of Herod. The Pharisees were of the religious establishment. They were ritualistic, making the traditions of men as the commandments of God. And Herod was a political leader. He was a king and Jesus comes and he's trying to teach his disciples as he's trying to teach us what will shut off the power of the kingdom of God in our lives. Now, when the Bible talks about leaven in this context, it's talking about worldview, paradigms, mindsets. You think about leaven in the natural. Heat will activate whatever leaven is in the dough. Have you discovered in life that the heat of pressure in life, the heat of problems in life will always reveal whatever mindset, worldview or approach you bring to your life? What you really believe about life and about God will come to the surface when you are under pressure. Who you are under pressure is who you really are and what you really believe about life. And so, as heat and pressure will activate the, the, the leaven of whatever mindset we operate by, Jesus is coming and saying, You've got to make sure that you don't default to the mindset or the worldview of a religious system and a political approach to life. You've got to understand that the leaven of the Pharisees or a religious mindset says this, I believe in God, but my faith is impersonal and powerless because it's not rooted in relationship, it's rooted in my observance of rituals and works. That's religion. Where there is no relationship, there's no power. The leaven of Herod, a, a political mindset says this, oh, we don't mind you having faith. Just don't bring your faith into the public square and sphere and don't let your faith determine the decisions you make in your life. We've got it covered. We as humans know best how to govern our world, our society, our community and our country We don't need your faith. We're happy for you to observe it on a Sunday, but keep it in 90 minutes in a service. Keep it in your closet. Do not bring your faith into the public square. That's a political mindset. And Jesus is saying, you've got to guard against a religious approach to life and a political approach to life, because if you don't, you can't have access to the fullness of the power of the kingdom of God in your life. The common denominator between a political and a religious mindset is the fear of man. The fear of man. The Pharisees wouldn't answer Jesus' question, Lest the crowd turn on them and the Pharisees look bad. So because of the fear of man, they didn't answer the question. Pilate, political leader, crucified the son of God without any evidence. Lest the crowd go and complain to Caesar that Pilate had kept the king of Jews alive. What was it all motivated by? The fear of man. You know what fear does? It attracts into your life whatever information is needed to legitimise its existence. Fear draws and fear attracts and the fear of man can't access the power of God because it doesn't believe Jesus is enough. It believes that somehow we've got the answer and what are people going to say and how is this going to look? And the Bible says in Romans 14, whatever doesn't proceed from faith is sin, we had a lady by the name of Evelyn who was a medical doctor. is a medical doctor in our church and her kids had been wanting her to get saved for many years and she was uh, basically a confessing atheist and, and was very much sort of gripped by a scientific worldview of life, which by the way is not incompatible with being a person of faith. And, uh, but for her, she just was so sceptical, and, uh, and, uh, and she was invited by her kids to come to church for many years, but one uh, season of her life, she actually was diagnosed with um, significant cancerous tumours. She had a tumour in her neck the size of a golf ball and a tumour on her shoulder. And the Sunday that we're preaching at one of our locations, she happened to be there. It's amazing how people will reject God, but then when they're desperate, they actually start to get open to God. This is why you've got to be consistent in people's lives and not disconnect at the first sign of rejection. You've actually got to go the journey with people because you don't know what's going to happen in their lives. And you're often the very people they'll reach out to. My my son's former uh, soccer coach Uh, reached out to me, not a believer, reached out to me to tell me that they found his brother in Manchester, United Kingdom. First he went missing and then they found him three days later in a river in Manchester. I was the first person he called in his world. He hadn't even told his kids. He hadn't even told his wife. He called me first because he knew that I might be able to help him. And we're on the phone and we begin to pray. And I said, mate, you need God. We need God in this situation. And we sent him flowers and a beautiful care hamper. Let them know whatever we can do for you, we love you. Why? Because I've kept up the consistency of the relationship in his life. There are people that are going to get saved in your world in the next weeks and months simply because you're there and you're consistent and you love them and you honour them. But you've got to go the distance with them. And so here is Evelyn at the church. We give the altar call. She's now desperate. Who puts up their hand to get saved, Evelyn? Then she comes down the front. The miracle of salvation was enough. But then she said, hey, would you pray for me? All of her kids are around her weeping as she's getting saved. And we lay hands on her and we just rebuke that cancer in Jesus' name. She turns up to one of our prayer power nights at our city location, walks up to me with the biggest smile and says, I was a skeptic, but now I'm a believer. She said, I went to my doctor, she's a medical doctor. She goes, I went to my specialist and we were doing all these scans and the doctor does the first scan, can't find the the golf ball tumor in her neck, can't find the tumor on her shoulder. And she goes, no, that can't be right. Scan again, test again. Three times they scanned, three times the doctor said, you're completely free of cancer. It's gone, it's gone. She said, I was a skeptic, but now I'm a believer. I'm to tell you today, the miracle mindset begins to change how you approach life, where no matter what the situation is, as you're looking at it from God's perspective, faith comes through a renewed mind to believe that God can do the same for somebody else's life. I'll be finished in a moment, but are you okay if we just keep going for a little bit longer and then we're gonna to pray together? You see, the miracle mindset Begins every thought process with fullness, not lack. Fullness, not lack. Verse 17 says this And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Now this is important. Jesus confronts the disciples' thinking and he confronts your thinking and my thinking, not to shame us, but to train us to think like God. If you and I are without discipline, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, we are illegitimate children. God never comes to confront your thinking, your attitude, the posture of your heart to punish you or shame you. He confronts because he loves you so much that he's wanting to conform you to the image of his son. He's wanting you and I to begin to think like God so that we can access the fullness of the kingdom of God in our lives. Why, a lot of people ask, why don't we see more miracles in Australian church, in the Western church? I believe Jesus in part answers. It's because our hearts are hard. You go to some developing nations, miracles just popping everywhere. Boom, boom, all the time. Why? Because they're so open, they're so hungry, they're so desperate. Their hearts aren't hardened, they're soft. One of the keys to moving in the miraculous is to ask God to give you a soft heart. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And the more tender and soft your heart is towards God, the more you become a candidate for the miraculous in your life. And so Jesus is confronting a hardness of heart And he says, you know, repent, Matthew 4, 17, repent, metanoia, change of mind, change of thinking, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you can't access the kingdom, if you've got a hard heart, you've got to have a change of mind, a change of heart. We had a lady walk up to us, one of our services, tears in one of our locations that hadn't seen really a, a significant breakthrough, tears. And she said, I'm repenting, I'm coming to you, pastor, because... Our hearts in this church are so hard. We haven't seen the Holy Spirit move in months. And I realize the Lord showed me today, it's because of our hard heart. God has to break our hearts for the things that break His heart before we're going to begin to see an outbreak of the miraculous in our lives. But when our minds are renewed to think like God, miracles start to become normal. Miracles start to become a normal part of our life. You will never consistently believe for miracles if your mind is not renewed to think like God. You see, the miracle mindset believes God can do more with little than we can do with much. The miracle mindset believes seven loaves, two fish five loaves three fish in fact stay with me just for one more minute the bible says in verse 19 when i broke the five loaves for the five thousand how many baskets full of pieces did you take up they said to him 12 and the seven for the four thousand how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up and they said to him seven and he said to them do you not yet understand stay with me listen to this When Jesus fed the most people, He started with the least amount of food, but He ended up with the most leftovers. In other words, starting with more is not an advantage in the kingdom of God. Many of us are like, well, I don't have that, and I don't have that, and I don't have this. And God says, no, no, you don't understand. Would you just bring your five loaves and your three fish? Would you just bring what is in your hand? Because little is much. Little turns into much when you take it out of your hands and you put it into God's hands. And today you're here in this room and you're like, Lord, I don't have much. I've only got little. And the Lord says, put it into my hands. I'll take your five loaves, your three fish. I'll multiply it. I'll use it to transform someone's life. To change the trajectory of your family line. To move in your life, your business in a powerful way. We had a a, a lady in our church, she hopped into an Uber car and requested to be taken to a a medical doctor. She had a walking stick, all sorts of issues, walked with a limp. The Uber driver, driver happened to be a member of our church. Very dangerous thing to hop in an Uber car with someone from our church. And she said, hey, I um, need to go to the doctor's and for a checkup. And, and the driver says, uh, what's wrong? And she's telling all about her conditions, can't walk, haven't been able to walk for a decade, injury, this or that. He said, you ought to get down to Newma Church. She's like, what's Newma Church? He said, it's the church I go to. That tonight they've got a prayer meeting and uh, people are getting healed. You ought to get down there. And she goes, all right, drive me around there now before we go to the doctor. Drives this precious lady over to the church. She walks in, right, with a walking stick. Our people see her, they descend on her, right? It's like seagulls with fish and chips, right? Just descend. So God can do something with this. So they descend on her start praying No her with oil. she had no choice right knowing her with oil praying in Jesus name. She goes, I feel my leg heating up, I feel my leg heating up. Literally I saw we got uh, I think we've got some footage where she throws the walking stick away and she begins to walk normally across the carpet of the thing. Right? She's not even saved yet. She hasn't prayed the sinner's prayer. She's just hungry. She's open. She turns up on the Sunday with her boyfriend, her partner. Both of them give their hearts to Jesus in the service. So she gets healed. Then she comes back, gets saved. That Sunday afternoon, you got to understand, she was hobbling like this, right, for a decade. That Sunday afternoon, Kai and I after the service are going across busy Bridge, Bridge Road in Melbourne, downtown Melbourne, going to get some lunch, who's bounding down, running down Bridge Road in their new athletic outfit, right? But this girl, and she's smiling and she says, see you at church tonight, Pastor. And right there, you realise, God, if only we would begin to approach our lives like you think like uh, with a renewed mindset, what could you do for an entire city, an entire region, let alone for sick, broken individuals that desperately are searching and looking for love and hope and life? I want to invite you to stand to your feet today. Thanks for joining us. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship.